Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 78, listener mailbag number one. Recorded Thursday, January 28th of 2016, with your hosts, Grant and Peter. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. And I'm Peter. Peter, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. A little tired. We had inventory at work last night, so I'm still kind of recovering from that. I'm still recovering from being sick. I thought I was doing better, and then bleh, so yay. It's been like a month. I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, you've been you've been sick for longer than any human should have to be sick, especially one as young as you. I know. It's frustrating, but who cares? Uh, lots of people, I think. Well, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Sorry, let me rephrase. What can be done about it? <laughs> yeah, what can be done about it, and is it worth talking about on the show? Probably not. Yeah, nothing and probably no, yeah. yeah. So, uh, some news before we get into our unusual topic this week. First, in case you don't know this, we release episodes every other week. We do. Also, in case you don't know this, Peter is really good at writing up blog posts that go in between those episodes. Every Tuesday, and we promote this on social media and the like, uh, but they don't show up in our podcast feed. But if you go out to stgcast.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, that sort of thing, you will see a blog post from Peter every Tuesday. Well, every one that we don't have an episode right. anyway. Yes, every other Tuesday in between episodes. If you're not aware of that, and we haven't mentioned it too much on the show, which is maybe a mistake, because they've been really good blog posts lately. Uh, I really like your two types of paladin ones that you did lately. That was amazing. Oh, thank you. That was great. But if you're not aware of them, you know, every Tuesday that you don't hear a Saving the Game episode might be worth your time to go check that out. They're usually about 700 words, so they won't take you too long to read either. Oh, yeah. No, it's like a page, basically, yeah. you know, on your average monitor. So a quick, easy read, but uh, very thoughtful and some interesting conversation kicks up with those. So if you haven't heard the, uh, read those blog posts... Take a minute to do that. Uh, we also have a co-op starting a podcast series that Peter did the first three episodes, uh, issues of, as it were, the first three posts in, and I'm filling in as I have some time to round out thoughts on starting a podcast. Um, that's not necessarily going to be relevant to everyone, and it's not strictly saving the game material, but as a discussion point and for anybody who's interested in knowing kind of what goes into the podcast and interested in starting their own podcast, there's a ton of information that we're putting in there. Uh, Peter did an amazing job writing up and diagramming the whole process, and I'm kind of filling in with some more scattershot information about, hey, these are hangups that we've had, here's how we dealt with them, that sort of thing. Yeah, and this is one of those things where we reference back to that uh, podcaster meetup at Fear the Con every once in a while, and this was one of those things that we learned while we were there, so it's like, hey, we're kind of old-timers at this. We should probably share some of what we've had to learn the hard way so it's easier for the next people who do it. Exactly. Other notes related to our website. We've had a Google Plus group, a little community, for a while, and it's been linked on our website. That listener community has been pretty tight. There's a lot of good people there. But Google Plus communities are not really the best way to reach people. As a result, I am working on setting up some forums on the Saving the Game website. I don't know exactly which ones they'll be yet. I'm kind of getting some advice from people on that. I have some easy install options for certain forum software, but 
at the same time, I want to make sure that it is spam-free and easy to use and has... I want it all stood up and ready to go before I say, hey, here are forums, go play. Uh, because nobody wants to be like, oh, cool, it's a forum, let me sign up. Oh, wow, everything keeps changing because the guy running the forums didn't know what he was doing the first time around. So I will talk more about that, and of course we'll again post on social media and our site uh, once those forums are up and running, but uh, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and just as an advance warning, there may be some very small hoops to jump through to get registered for them just as a spam control measure. Yeah. Uh, Grant and I are both participants on some other forums, and it seems like if you actually have to involve a human being in the registration process, it keeps the spam down. So It does. You'll have to send something to one of us, basically, to get in, I think, but... Um, not as such, but... Well, uh, through a form or something. Well, but, no, yeah. it, like, there's there's a are-you-a-human kind of registration process and that sort of thing. Like, I'm not going to be sitting there saying, oh, yeah, this person's fine, because I don't know. If we're going to set up a CAPTCHA, I, um, I nominate the ones with the little games to play. If I can figure out how to make that happen, sure, why not? <laughs> Beat the first level of Breakout, and you're human. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Get get to the bottom of the uh, dungeon in Spelunky and wait, no, no I couldn't be on no. my own forums then. <laughs> no. 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 No, never. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Uh, last thing before we get into our topic, you know, because we're stretching this whole topic thing out really far. If you like what we do here at Saving the Game, share us out on uh, social media yourself. You know, tell people about us because people trust you. You're awesome and what you like is clearly good. I mean, come on. It's just fact. So, you know, if you tell people that we're good, it might be true. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You're you're probably a better authority on that than we are at this point. Yeah, seriously. But uh, if you like what we do here, too, also review us on iTunes and Stitcher and that sort of thing. That is a huge help for us. Let's people know, hey, you know, the, this is what we're about and other people seem to like it. Or this is the perspective other people have on our own show. And... That helps people decide whether or not they want to invest time in listening to us. Well, and the other thing that that does is that gives us actionable stuff that we can take under advisement as we're figuring out episode ideas. Uh, we've mentioned this before, but the Historical Heresies series came about as a result of somebody saying they missed some of our more theological stuff. Yeah. If you don't think we're paying attention, you are wrong. We are paying attention. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Talk to us. We like it. Yes, and in fact, that's where we're going with today's episode. Yeah, let's uh, let's get the scripture out of the way first, though, and we can get into that. All right. Uh, I'll take Proverbs 11 to 14. All right. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And this is Mark 4, 21 through 24. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. And our last one is First James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So this week, we are doing two user emails, that we yeah. got, or listener emails that we got. Yes, it's a listener mailbag. Hooray. Yep. We, it's real empty. We have two. Yeah, but they're both really good ones. Yes, so. they are. We, we are <laughs> what we lack in quantity, we more than made up in quality for these, believe me. Yeah. 
All right, so let's get right into well, this, shall we? No, let's let's first no? let other people okay. know how to send emails on their own. Yes, that would be good because we would love to do some more of these yeah, episodes. Yeah, if we start doing semi-regular listener mailbag episodes, I'm down with that. I don't want to be a podcast that's all listener emails, but the only reason we don't do listener mailbag kind of stuff is we don't get much mail. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, if you want to contact us, send us an email at hosts at stgcast.org. That'll go to both of us. You can, of course, always contact us on social media, twitter.com slash saving the game, facebook.com slash saving the game. Search for us on Google+. There's no easy link there. Comment on one of the articles on our website or the podcast episodes. Yep. Uh, comments are a great way to talk to us, especially about the stuff in that episode or blog post or what have you. Obviously, different forms of social media are good for different types of messaging. So, you know, Twitter, you're probably not going to be able to say, say things in the same way as a long Facebook message or a long email or a Google Plus post aimed at us, that kind of thing. Uh, and lastly, if you go to stgcast.org, there is a link in the top menu that says Contact Us, and that will pull up a contact page that you can fill in a form real quick, hit send, and that will send us an email. So let it not be said that you don't know how to get a hold of us, because we have done all that we can to make it as easy as possible, and we really want to hear from you. Yes, aside from keeping an eye on the sky for smoke signals. Yeah, it's been really cloudy around here lately, so I think it would kind of blend into the, you know, the general winter gunmetal gray skies. I just have a lot of people around that have wood-burning stoves. I can't see smoke signals. There's too much smoke in the air. <laughs> is that smoke a signal, or is he just having trouble with his chimney? Yeah, you never know. Anyway, Peter, you want to read this first email? Yes, this one comes from Brady. Uh, it reads, Hello, Grant and Peter. I have been listening to your show for, I think, almost a year and have thoroughly enjoyed it. Yours is one of the only podcasts that I have worked through the backlog multiple times. Thank you very much. Very nice. I have just finished listening to the New Year's bonus episode and I'm very excited that Peter has started using Habitica. Quick aside, so has Grant. Yep. But I figured that you guys have been flooded with emails from other Habitica-using fans, if only. So I'll leave my excitement and suggestions for how to get the most out of it to an optional text body at the end of the email. We've had a couple of people um, actually comment on the episode and that sort of thing, saying, oh, Habitica, that's great. So, yep. you know, we've, we, there is a small community of people using it that listen to us, and that's pretty awesome. The email continues, As I have said, I worked through the backlog multiple times and have noticed a few unfulfilled promises. Dun, dun, the dun. Yeah. The first, and not your fault, is I wonder if any artist came through to Brandon's request to make caricatures of the hosts, EO, Brandon, PD, the Paladin, etc. I would love to see those if they exist. The second is that you promise us more science of storytelling episodes, namely one addressing conflict. Now, I know you want to move on to more spiritual topics, and that's fine. So here's an idea to turn it into the science and spirituality of storytelling. Try saying that five times fast. Uh, Grant's actually going to have to edit it after one. The idea is to take stories from the Bible and do what the Gameable podcast does to Disney movies, but in less depth. Okay, that idea is a bit of a stretch, I admit, but please think about it. Another idea I'd like to pitch while I have your ear is to take a look at the Apocrypha in your Heresy series, and, not to sound too mean, if you would define those big multi-syllable religious words that you use, that would be great. Sincerely, Brady. And then there's a postscript about Habitica. Yes, yes, you can make guilds in Habitica, and by doing so, gain access to a forum that only guild members can see, and you can set challenges with prizes. But to get the ability to make one costs five bucks a month, maybe a good milestone for the Patreon, hint hint. But on to tips and tricks from a level 40 player, your mileage may vary, FYI. 
To get the most from it, you need to set your own rewards. Otherwise, the only things you end up doing are the dailies so that your character doesn't die. There's a trap I've fallen into. I recommend buying a piece of media that will last you a while. I chose Monster Hunter and designate it in your mind as your Habitica media that you will only consume it while you have earned it. I tried to do this with media that I was already consuming, but that didn't work. Again, your mileage may vary, and thanks for your time. Yeah, so Brady, first off, thanks for writing in. Yeah, thank you for the kind words. Um, it was it was great to hear from you. There's a lot of good stuff in here, so we're going to kind of yeah. break this down a little bit. Oh, yeah. First thing, uh, as far as art, no, we don't have caricatures. I do have a Blarry the Podcast Train piece of art that I need to turn into a t-shirt, courtesy of a gentleman who goes by Noble Bear on Fear of the Boot forums and elsewhere. Awesome artist. Very good. If you like uh, a slightly cartoony take on things, he's really good. Reach out to him if you need some art. Yeah. He's done some book covers and stuff in the past. He's a good guy. Oh, Actually, if you've seen my like yellow golem avatar on other forums or stuff around the internet, he did that too. Yeah. So I will have that out there. Actually, here's a question for you listeners. Does anybody here know who Blurry the Podcast Train is? Because I've done a good job of editing him out. Yeah, I did mention him in a blog post once, but yeah. it's a little bit of an Easter egg-y kind of thing. <laughs> it kind of is, because Blurry has been the bane of my podcasting existence for about three and a half years, because he's on Peter's side of things, and I can't just mute him and make him go away. Yeah, I live about a block away from some railroad tracks. They're, they're freight railroad tracks, too. So, at unpredictable times, there's a loud honk and then clackety-clack as the uh, train blows the horn to get across the... Uh, intersections in town that don't have the gates that come down so i can usually hear blary before he shows up on the audio feed and put in a warning but he gets pretty loud especially oh, yeah. in the summer when the windows are open well and also he has a tendency to lay the horn on to say hey i'm coming and it just echoes you've got these megaphone streets yeah i mean it, you have peaked the waveforms on blary on occasion oh, it's fairly impressive <laughs> yeah just imagine living by it yeah Fortunately, he doesn't seem to come through in the middle of the night very much, so that's a good thing. That is nice, but he seems to know exactly when we record. Yeah. In fact, he's already come through tonight. <laughs> yeah, we've been hours off and Blurry still shows up, so... Yep. Go figure. Uh, we have some ideas for things to do with Blurry, but a t-shirt's the first thing we can do. Okay, so, um, Brady, you also mentioned uh, an episode on conflict. That we haven't had one yet is a result of my slacking, because I have been doing some very slow research on conflict, social violence, anti-social violence, and I have about six books I need to read. Uh, one by Walter Wink, two by Rory Miller, two by Dave Grossman, and one by another gentleman whose name I don't remember, but he wrote a book called The Professor in the Cage. So once I have finished consuming all of those and condensing it into some notes, we should have a really awesome episode about violence and conflict but it's probably not going to be super soon. <laughs> no. I think I've got a Walter Wink book actually on my Amazon wish list too. I need to dig that out. Yeah. You suggested uh breaking Bible stories down in the manner of the Gameable podcast and Grant and I took one look at that and we're like, why aren't we doing this already? Well, so, no, I'll tell you why we aren't doing this already. The idea fills me with dread. Well, <laughs> why does it fill you with dread? Because it seems incredibly it's it's a lot bigger in many ways than something like a series on every historical heresy or all of the vices and virtues, like things like that, because those are kind of intellectual, whereas 
going into the story stuff just somehow seems so much more terrifying. I, I don't know why it is. I could get my daughter's little illustrated book of Bible stories, and we could work out of that, and it would probably be okay. But somehow... Actually cracking a, a big leather-bound Bible and doing it out of there is scary for some reason to you? Yeah, and it may be because these are not always the easiest characters to work with. Maybe it's because in many cases we only have a limited amount of information. Certainly there's a lot of research that we'd want to do on them. Yeah. Well, and I mean, some of these biblical characters are pretty darn flawed. I mean, they're not traditional sure. cinematic heroes or anything. Well, and, and those are maybe the ones that are easiest to talk about. You know, if we talk about David and Bathsheba and that sort of thing, there's a lot to talk about there. I'm less worried about that and more some of these minor characters somehow frighten me a little bit. Now, none of that means that we shouldn't do this. It's a good idea. It's an <laughs> extremely good idea. It's just, I have this mental, I don't know, fear? Hang up on it? I don't know. I'll tell you that's why we've avoided it so far, because you're not the first person to suggest it. I mean, Peter suggested it at one point. We've had other author or other people suggest it in various different ways, and I just, I haven't pulled the trigger on it. Well, suffice it to say, we will probably get around to doing that at some point, but yeah. like the episode on violence and conflict, it may not be soon. Right. If nothing else, there's a lot of reading to do. Yeah. Now, the the advantage of it is we could probably pack a couple of those into a single episode, so. Unless we do some of the really big ones, like Joseph and David would probably require whole episodes or multiple episode series. That whole saga would be a lot, but some of the Genesis characters, some of the Judges characters, possibly. Yeah. The, those people, they're interesting, but we have these small little windows into their lives and their stories, and that's, we could probably do two or three. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, things like Ruth and Boaz would go pretty fast, and... Yeah, exactly. The other thing that he recommended was doing some episodes on the Apocrypha. It's a cool idea, because it's one of those things that a lot of kind of mainline Protestants, evangelical Protestants, that sort of thing, aren't really familiar with. Uh, I would not want to do it under the Historical Heresies banner, because it's a it's a different thing. Yeah. And partly because there are a lot of denominations out there that still use and reference the Apocrypha, not necessarily as scripture, but at least as useful texts. Now, the problem there is that not all of those have the same definition of Apocrypha. Yeah, there's a couple of different versions out there, and I don't yeah. think I have a Bible with the Apocrypha in it. Do you? Um, yes, actually, I have a college study Bible that is A, really big, B, half the page is analysis and explanation, and C, it includes the Apocrypha, or at least the traditional Apocrypha. Just felt a little pang of jealousy there, but go on. It's It was a really cool book. It's the one college textbook that I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm keeping this. And who could blame you? Yeah. But it would be cool to do that as somebody who is unfamiliar with the Apocrypha. I'm honestly not sure where to start, but that doesn't mean I can't try. Okay, and then you had a concern about... Uh, religious terms and vocabulary. Since you didn't give us any specific examples, it's hard to fix this one all at once here, but we will do our best to define terms going forward. I know yeah. Grant has uh, has surprised me with a couple bits of vocabulary over the years of the podcast, so um, if I don't know the definition of something, I'll definitely speak up on that. As far as definitions go, this is a good place for episode comments, because we'll be happy to define them there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if nothing else, I can at least I can at least look up the word and say, so here's the definition as it's given and the context in which we're using it, that sort of stuff. I'll be happy to provide that information. Last thing, Habitica, 
So first of all, Peter and I both are using Habitica. I'm doing okay with it. I definitely fell into the, let's just check off the dailies trap, but I am trying to say when I have a thing that I need to do, put it into the task list and get it done. See, and I, I don't, for whatever reason, this really works well for me. Just having to look at the list every day has ended the procrastination of something that I was procrastinating for years on. Mm -hmm. it, it creates these sort of Damocles effect where I feel like the thing is hanging over my head if I have to look at it day in and day out. So, so one of my problems has always been procrastination. And part of the procrastination trap is that if something has been hanging over my head for a long period of time, I don't want to deal with it. There's guilt packed into that for how long it's sat there. Sometimes to-do lists actually work against me because if I have it written down as a thing that needs to get done, like, it feels good when I get it done, obviously, but there's an enormous emotional barrier in getting it done in the first place because I have to acknowledge that I have failed and been procrastinating on it and that sort of thing. It's not healthy, but that's how my crazy mixed-up brain works. I know that this is not unusual for chronic procrastinators. See, I... The stuff was it turns darker and darker red in the to-do list. I look at that and I'm like, boy, that's probably worth a lot of points by now. I should really take the time and get that thing checked off. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Habitica helps with that because it says, hey, you've put this off for a while. It's worth more. And that helps counteract the fact that the redder it is, the more guilt is inherent in that to-do item. There's a kind of a negative cost for all of these. But this says, hey, there's also a positive reward. So that helps. Uh, the habit mechanism also works pretty well. We've got a, a small three-person group, and that has actually worked well for me, like keeping up with the rest of the group and contributing on daily quests. That has helped a lot. If you're not using Habitica, it's working pretty well for both of us, so check it yeah, out. Yeah, I'm actually very pleasantly surprised at how well it's working. Yeah, and you know, the Patreon reward idea, not a bad one. No. That could easily be one of the first things that we do if we get that yeah, going. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the Patreon on your Habitica to-do list, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's bright red. <laughs> like so <laughs> well, much else you know on what? my list. I, I, okay, to give you an idea of some of the stupid stuff that I've got on my list that's turned bright red, I have Go See the New Star Wars movie. I did finally get to see that with my wife. It's good and you should go see it. Planning to do that this weekend. Excellent. I also have things like put together crib for baby on my list. The baby's due in a month. Yeah, chronic procrastination. <laughs> I, I, I do mention that because I want to kind of call out that you can use this tool for stuff that's just fun. Yeah. You know, it's like remind yourself to do the thing. Yeah, no, I have on there also like take my wife on a date. That works really well. All right. Uh, Brady, thank you again for writing in. Great email. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Fantastic to hear from you. Um, our next one is from Chris at the Gameable Podcast. Of course, we've had Chris on the show before. We've had his wife Katrina on, uh, both with him and without him. And we've certainly recommended the Gameable Pixar and Gameable Disney Podcast plenty of times yep. to our listeners. We've been on with them once. It was These people are our friends at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he wrote in with... <laughs> Boy, you want to talk about um, vocabulary words that need defining and that I had to look up. He's writing in uh, with Simone de Beauvoir on Manichaeism. So, yeah. Oh, boy. I gave this one to Grant. I'm like, yeah. you're the scholar. You have fun with this. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and read this one here. This is from Chris. 
Hi, Grant and Peter. Even though this is Grant's email address, he did not send this to hosts at stgcast.org. Disc, disc. <laughs> I think he said it before I had it set up, in fairness. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I enjoyed your episode on Manichaeism, and I'm definitely looking forward to more heresy episodes. Coincidentally, I recently ran into a reference to Manichaeism in an unexpected source, Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex. In a passage about the role of housework in the life of married women, de Beauvoir writes, Washing, ironing, sweeping, ferreting out rolls of lint from under wardrobes, all this halting of decay is also the denial of life. For time simultaneously creates and destroys, and only its negative aspect concerns the housekeeper. Hers is the position of the Manichaeist, regarded philosophically. The essence of Manichaeism is not solely to recognize two principles, the one good, the other evil. It is also to hold that the good is attained through the abolition of evil and not by positive action. In this sense, Christianity is hardly Manichaeist in spite of the existence of the devil, for one fights the demon best by devoting oneself to God and not by endeavoring to conquer the evil one directly. Any doctrine of transcendence and liberty subordinates the defeat of evil to progress toward the good. But woman is not called upon to build a better world. Her domain is fixed, and she has only to keep up the never-ending struggle against the evil principles that creep into it. In her war against dust, stains, mud, and dirt, she is fighting sin, wrestling with Satan. This contrast between a positive and a negative approach to morality strikes me as relevant to gaming, where we're always negotiating the moral compass of characters and cosmoi. Cosmoi, vocabulary words, plural of cosmos. <laughs> good, good work, Chris. For some characters and settings, being good means working to better oneself in the world. The darkness is just the absence of light, so the good character's quest is to burn brighter. From a Manichaean perspective, per de Beauvoir, being good entails destroying evil. This struggle defines goodness even if it achieves only stasis. One can easily imagine two good characters, or organizations, coming into conflict over this subtle but profound difference over which actions are inherently good, and which ones are merely useful. I'm imagining an order of paladins or monks, concerned with killing monsters and maintaining perfect purity versus a good-aligned government willing to make compromises to nourish its population's welfare and faith. The thou shalt nots versus the thou shalts, if you will. In a campaign concerned with these themes, one might even make dynamic versus static, or transcendent versus imminent into a primary moral axis in an alignment system, for example. I don't have any specific question. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this contrast and on whether de Beauvoir's characterization of Manichaeism versus Christianity holds water. Yeah, don't send us any simple stuff, Chris. Yeah, just, just open right up with the heavy stuff, right? Yeah. Don't you? I know that you guys don't do a mailbag segment. Surprise! And this email's <laughs> too long to read anyway. No, it's not. No, it's <laughs> not. But maybe this will spark a point of discussion in an episode somewhere along the line. Chris. Yes, yes, it did. So there's a lot there, obviously. Because it's coming from Chris. Chris. First off, now I really want to go back and revisit alignments as a topic. Because we yeah, did that in episode too. two. And I think after 75 episodes, we can probably go back and visit it again. Especially since, frankly, we'd probably have a lot of different things to say on the topic now. Yeah, we could probably flesh that out a little more than we did the first time. Yeah, and I think um, the alignment as dualism kind of thing that we touched on briefly in our Manichaeism episode that you kind of brought up specifically. There's a lot there. I like the contrast of these two equally opposed forces and in like a D&D system, these multiple opposed directions, that kind of thing. Yeah, we should do that soon. Yeah, we really should. Yeah. Very soon. <laughs> and speaking of dichotomies, 
framing matters a lot when you're creating these dichotomies of perspective, right? We may, you know, you may say, okay, yeah, here are two different groups of people. Passive resistance to evil versus active resistance to evil. Pursuit of good versus ensuring that good is all that's left in the world, right? That transcendent versus what I would maybe call an eliminationist approach. Compromise and a slow progress towards a better world, a very methodical approach, versus a stalwart determination to only accept perfection. This kind of goes back to that blog post about paladins I wrote recently. It does, and there's uh, there's two different ways to do that. And I could very easily make sympathetic and interesting characters on both sides of those divides. Yeah. Because neither of them is, strictly speaking, wrong. Certainly not in all particulars. What's nice about that is that from a gaming perspective, like you said, it's easy to make people who are nominally on the same side, but who get bogged down in the particulars of the approach and end up arguing between themselves as much as anything else, maybe more. <laughs> see, see every political discussion between friends on social media, for instance. Yes. Even ones that are basically on the same side. Sure. You'll note I don't t do much politics on social media. Yeah. <laughs> Just I, I like the friends I have, and I don't want to annoy them and alienate them. And, you know, in many cases, they are on completely different political sides. And I, I, it's so easy for that to turn into a perceived attack on them Yeah, that I, I don't want to do that. But intramural arguments are often much nastier than arguments across giant divides. Yeah, it, it kind of turns into a purity test or something, and that, that can get a little hostile. Yeah, you, you quickly end up with the no true Scotsman fallacy going on. Yeah. Um, it's very easy in tight circles when you have a lot of very fanatical people for everybody to find fault with everyone else and declare that, oh, no, they're, you know, they have flaws, they don't belong, they have flaws, they don't belong, they have flaws, they don't belong, and soon you're left with nobody. Yeah, you're, you're not a real whatever thing that you're saying that you are because you don't believe this. Right. Now, I think instead of going with the argument thing, I think you could very easily also have two characters working side by side and have a, a friendly sort of contrast. Like, if Peter and I were playing paladins, for example, it would be interesting to have a different sort of paladin and a different take on it from each of us. A, because then we're not playing the same character, right. which would be good. But also, you can have moments of friction, which are good between the characters, but we're also not losing track of the fact that we are on the same side and we're working together. And it may be that one of us is better suited to certain things than another. Well, and this is this also turns into one of those iron sharpens iron kind of things where you can kind of cover for each other's blind spots and one person's strengths will buttress the other person's weaknesses. And it's multiple different perspectives can be very complementary if they're allowed to be. And I think complementary is the important word there, right? As long as we are adding to each other rather than trying to subtract from each other, we're probably on the right track. Uh, now, the other thing I did want to touch on or one of them, was the literal Manichaeist comparison that de Beauvoir is making here. You know, it does this hold up at all? I do think that, and this is a small segment of a work that I have not read, right? So let's make that clear. But if we're just taking this excerpt on housekeeping, on its face, I think it oversimplifies the female role in the traditional household, because the housekeeper may clean to maintain order, you know, the man in the traditional job is repairing, and that does the same thing. 
What's what's the difference between cleaning and repairing? We're both restoring order and maintaining order in the household. Plus, to say nothing of the fact that in the context of a traditional home, the woman is usually one of the primary moral instructors of any children that they have. Yes, I'm definitely getting to children. Um, the housekeeper may not necessarily build a better world, as de Beauvoir says, in the strictest sense, but cleanliness creates health, it brings order, it creates a safe and pleasant place for the family, and that sets the stage for that building of a better world. There are no distractions, there's nothing dragging it down, and so it's, it gets that out of the way. And then you can focus on the good and pursue the good, as de Beauvoir says, Christianity is all about. And he's sort of right on that. Incidentally, as a father, I can tell you, a cleaner house generates better behaved children because there are fewer inputs to distract them, there's fewer little things to that they can just pick up and start playing with, all that sort of thing. They focus a little better. Now, they also have more room to run, <laughs> you know, there's that, but I'll take the trade. <laughs> they can get a really good running start before they slam into a wall, huh? Or slide and do fun things and run headfirst into daddy. Okay, so funny childhood story. The first house that my siblings and I grew up in with my parents was pretty much completely carpeted. Mm -hmm. We moved when I was about 10 to a house that had hardwood floors in the hole downstairs. And you discovered you could slide on socks. Yes, we did. And we did nothing. We did not move between rooms without sliding for probably at least three months after we moved there. We did the same thing. We had carpet, linoleum in the kitchen, and um, a nasty 70s or 60s like mortar and tile kind of floor. Uh, with lots and lots of mortar that you just couldn't slide on at all. Okay. Uh, in, in the basement area. It was kind of a rec room. And then we got to a house that had, when they bought the house, mom and dad put hardwood in on the bottom floor. Uh, the, the upstairs was carpeted in this wacky way. Every room had its own colors for carpet. Wow. All the rooms were color-coded. It was really weird. Because uh, it, was, it was very strange. But downstairs was all hardwood. Okay. And yes, I just, I skated everywhere. That's all you did. You just skate. Like, I'm pretty sure I was doing, like, speed skating moves. It's what you do. Yep. Yeah. That That's childhood in a nutshell right there. <laughs> you grab the, the stair rail to try and, like, get more speed around a turn, grab the door jam for all that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, push yourself off the door jam, do yes. it just wrong, wind up falling down, feel like an idiot, crash into the dog, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was in Boy Scouts, so I had hiking socks, which are these nice thick wool socks, right? Because you don't go hiking in, like, socks. Tube socks, yeah. Yeah, no. Cause You'll have blisters. It's awful. You want nice, thick socks to protect your feet. And those slide really well because they're thick. They don't wear thin and, you know, get the holes that catch. They're so good. It was it was fantastic. Should get a pair of those just to wear around the house as an adult here, actually. They are. I, I have, actually probably have more wool socks than I do regular, like, white athletic socks. I wear them all the time. I know you're thinking, South Carolina? Really? But they keep my feet warm, and they're awesome. Hey, you know, whatever works. And, and it comes from hiking, like, oh, hey, I've got these nice wool socks. These are awesome. Why don't I wear these all the time? Wait, I'm an adult and I can. So yeah. I can spend extra money on socks just so my feet can be extra comfortable. This is great. The thing is, they last so long, I don't have to, because usually I'll get a pair for Christmas. That's like the uh, Sam Vimes boots thing from Discworld. Well, yeah, kind of. But also, just I 
I don't have to pay for them. Somebody will get me a pair for Christmas. That's a uh, that's one of those things where it really your perspective really shifts from when you're a child to an adult. If you're a kid and you get socks, you're bummed. If you're an adult and you get socks, you're like, this is awesome. Oh, fresh socks. Oh, those feel good. Yes. Yeah. All right. Speaking of perspectives, let's uh, let's carry on with this this yeah. response here, shall we? Um, <laughs> there, there's a bit that I want to quote from De Beauvoir. From a Manichaean perspective, being good entails destroying evil. This struggle defines goodness even if it achieves only stasis. Yeah, that is definitely a common Gnostic and dualist perspective. Echoed imperfectly in Buddhist thought, but Buddhism's more complex than that, but there's an element of that. You have to destroy evil, destroy suffering, and in fact, the goal is that perfect nirvana, that stasis. And it's very common throughout Gnosticism. All these Gnostic Christian sects have an element of that. Uh, stronger or weaker, depending on the exact form that that sect is taking and how much influence it's getting from certain other sources. Some of that is the result of the original source. Greek philosophy in particular has that very strongly. But even then, the idea of Gnostic dualism necessarily sets up evil as something that must be fought and eliminated because it has taken over instead of something that is an impediment to the transcendent good that we're aiming for as Christians and that we hope for. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on, the understanding of Christianity that De Beauvoir expresses here is partly correct and partly not. It's correct in, a, in an internal sense. We aim for God. We ignore the devil. We ignore his temptations. To quote C.S. Lewis, you know, we aim for heaven and kind of get the earth thrown in. But we're also called, and this is why I wanted to make sure that that line from James, First uh, James, is, was included in our scripture. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Uh, the ESV, English Standard Version, translation of that particular verse might be more familiar to people. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We're called to this internal process of aiming towards God and hoping for God and building up that faith. But we're also called to act. We're called to do, rather than just, just being hearers, passively consuming, taking it in internally, but not acting on it. And it is telling, perhaps, that Manichaeans use the term hearers for the laity in the Manichaean church. They listened, but they did not do. They did not step up in the same way that you know the elect did. Uh, you can go back and listen to our episode on Manichaeism for more detail on that. But we're called to go out and do good, to do justice, have mercy, walk humbly with your God, that line from Micah. So his understanding is correct, but incomplete, I would say. That, that's my response to that. I don't really have anything to add to that. That's... uh. That's pretty spot on. That, I will say that's the reason why both of us had, you know, find ways that we can be more practical with our faith and our resolutions this year, though. Yep. Yes. Uh, because I have definitely fallen into that trap of take it in, don't give back. There's nothing coming out of it, and that's something that I want to fix this year. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about everything from me. I do want to, again, encourage anybody who wants to, to write in. I can't promise we're going to read every email. I can't promise that we will read every email completely. 
uh, on air specifically. We will read whatever you send to us. They just won't become part of an episode necessarily. Yeah, and I can't promise that we're going to do these with any regularity because... We would have to have a regular flow of emails to do that, and we haven't had that yet, so... Yeah, we, are, we are not Happy Jacks, and I don't necessarily want to turn us into Happy Jacks, but listener emails are awesome, and if we do a uh, listener mailbag, I don't know, quarterly, even every six months, whatever, that's fun. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very telling that we've only gotten a few emails, but they've shown up in an episode. We have high-quality listeners that think deeply and pose interesting questions. So. And, you know, we're at the 50-minute mark in recording, so... We are indeed, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it'll be when we, you know, with the edited version, but I, I'm at 50-20 on just two emails, so... Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, this has been actually a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been. I hope we get to do it again soon. I certainly hope so, too. Again, go out to stgcast.org. Go look at what's out there. Obviously, there's episodes, but there's a whole lot more, and more coming, as I said. You're going to give me just another place to hang out on the internet, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Pretty sure that's my job. Also, I've had people ask for a place to do some uh, play-by-post gaming, so... Yeah, that would that would be good. Yeah. Well, listen, from both of us here at Saving the Game, and all of our listener community, thanks for listening to us. Thanks especially for writing in. Yeah, Brady and Chris, thank you very much for writing in. Fantastic. Hope to hear from you again. Y'all take it easy. Have a good one. We'll catch you next time. See ya, folks. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.